Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Let's see. We got some wintry weather, wintry mix. The wintry mix uh, coming into the Carolinas. Um, I saw on the way into uh, the studio today, I saw all of the the roads. They got all the, the white salt all over them, the brine mixture, the salt water mixture. And as I was driving in and I was thinking, like, I, re- like, I remember when in the early 2000s here in Charlotte, there was... Um, there was a snowstorm, and I use that term very, very lightly, as lightly as the snowstorms tend to be in Charlotte. <clears throat> Usually, we get the we get the snow first coming from the west, and then the the warm air from the from the Gulf comes up and pushes it back, and then you know it turns into rain, and then it washes the snow away, and then of course the sun goes down and it all freezes. And no matter what you think, you cannot drive on ice. Okay, like. People are like, I'm from Buffalo. I can drive. Like, that's snow up there, people. Snow is different than a sheet of ice. Okay? Um, and you probably actually couldn't even drive in the snow. Uh, anyway, I, no, I, I, look, I'm not here. I'm not here to pick fights with Buffaloans. Buffaloites. Buffaloans. Buffaloes. Whatever. Um, because, I mean, look, the whole city is down here. That's a very big fight. Is there anybody left in Buffalo? At any rate, I had this idea because back 25 years ago when uh, it, it, there was a snowstorm, it was very, very light and it, it, very, it was like a dusting and it shut down the city and a lot of the bankers were very upset. Well, a lot of the bankers' bosses, let me say it that way, a lot of the, a lot of the management in the corporations – uh, in Center City, particularly the banks, were very upset because the storm, quote-unquote, uh, just kind of glanced by us, and it wasn't really that big of a deal. And then there was another storm where they it started snowing, and the road supervisor was like, we're not going to go out and plow the roads or do anything until the snow stops, which was weird because me being originally from New York, like I remember they would be plowing all the time. They just keep running the plows, running the plows. And so it allowed the snow to pile all the way up and then it couldn't melt fast enough. And so they couldn't go to work and so all the bankers couldn't get to work. And so again, a lot of the bosses were upset. Uh, And so they then the next time around, they started prepping with this brine, the saltwater brine, putting it on the roads before the storms hit. And I remember people Laughed and look, I was one of them. We were like, "You're going to put water on the road before the storm hits." And then I, I made calls up into the mountains of Western North Carolina, talked to their street supervisor people, and I was like, "Is this anything you guys do?" And they they laughed. They were like, "That's crazy." Of course, now they do it. They do it too up there, um, because salt water has a lower freezing temperature. So I thought, though, as I'm driving, but here's the thing: it does still freeze. So if it gets cold enough. It, it doesn't it doesn't work right um so i was i had an idea on the way in i had an idea and you remember no bad ideas under the cone of creativity here so i'm just spitballing but how about 
instead of putting water on the roads. What what doesn't mix with water? Yes, Bernie. Oil doesn't mix with water. All right, so hear me out. Let's spray oil all over the roads. And then when the storm comes in, all of the, the, the freezing rain will slide right off of it. And it'll, it'll, it'll wash to the sides. Hmm? I mean, I think it's a good plan. I think it's a solid plan. I see no downsides whatsoever to this idea. And look, people laughed at Leighton Lamb, the road supervisor, when he first pitched putting salt water on the roads. So who are you to laugh at my idea of throwing oil down? Look, at look, I've already been contributing. Right? You see that stripe down the middle of all of the lanes? That's me. I mean, me and a lot of other people. But, like, I've been doing my part all this time, dropping little bits of oil and Okay, there's probably some, like, transmission fluid in there, too, right in the middle of the road. Motorcyclists know about that little stripe, right? You guys you guys ride down that center line all the time. No, I'm kidding. They don't. They, they ride to the sides of it. Well, they should because that's, like, really slippery. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. That might be. Mm, wait a minute. I think I. All right. There may be a flaw in my proposal. Well, it would keep people off the roads because including media. Okay, I'm back on board with the idea. I'm back on board because, if, okay, first I was thinking, this is a great idea, Pete, oil on the road. Then just now I was thinking, well, wait a minute, they're gonna make the ro- that's going to make the roads really slippery. But now I'm back on the positive side, which is it's going to keep people off the roads because everyone's going to say, who put all this oil all over the road? It's too slick to drive on, Right. If it's too slick to drive on, everyone stays home. And that includes media because media, they always send. And I, I was out there. I would have to go out. I would have to stand on the side of the road someplace and be like, don't come out and stand on the side of a road. Be smarter than me. Officials are telling people not to do what I am doing right now. Because people would not know if it was snowing, but for the media, right? They wouldn't know about the wintry mix. They would not be able to look out their windows, let alone step outside to see if the conditions are bad. But you got to be able to see it. Look, we got cameras up all over the place. Now, we don't need somebody standing on the or even better, standing on the side of the road and then reaching down and scooping up some of the, the wintry mix and showing it to the camera. Like, you could see in my hand here. And by the way, that's all consultant driven. Just a heads up on that. That's some consultants. They were like, you need to interact with your environment while you're out there. That's why they like throw the basketball at the camera, that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. It's a peek behind the curtain, people. All right. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good plan. Um, I got a couple of messages here. Just working off of uh, my uh, what I, I think was initially I thought was a good idea, but now I have doubts. Um, Russ says, Pete, uh, or here. Well, wait a minute. He starts off his tweet the same way or his message the same way as Melissa does. Or, and hear me out. <laughs> Okay, so Russ's idea is, or, hear me out, we make the roads like an ice rink all the time. That way, everybody is used to it, and the rain, snow, and ice just automatically resurfaces the roads. Oh, and Zamboni attachments on all the cars. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean... 
Think about how little street maintenance we'd have to do. I mean, we're going to have to install refrigeration coils under all the roads, of course, in order to keep them frozen all the time, you know? Ooh, wait a minute. No, because there we just we just oil it. See, now I'm back to my thing. If we just keep them oiled all the time, everybody develops the skill of driving on the oil slick roads, and then everybody becomes a better driver. Except the ones from Tennessee, of course. That's the... I kid, Tennessee. I kid. They just drive in the left lane all the time. I think they teach them to do that. Um, Melissa says, or, hear me out, vodka with 40% alcohol will freeze at around negative 16 degrees Fahrenheit versus water. Vodka is the better choice. I like it. Okay. So now we're going, all right. Rather than the brine, we do vodka. We just dump vodka. Well, I see a downside. Hang on a second. I mean, aside from the waste of all of the vodka. But I do wonder if you're going to have people out there licking the roads. Trying to lap it up, you know? Because in some parts of town, the road, you know, the, the runoff, it, it, you know, it collects in certain spots. You end up with these puddles because the, uh, the design of the road and the, the, the infrastructure. Oh, my gosh. I just thought of this, too. Now, if you do that, all of the vodka... When it does wash away, it's all going to go into the water. We're going to have a bunch of drunk fish. And I don't know what they're going to do. That's an unintended consequence right there. It could be good. I mean, it could be good. They Right? We don't know. We just don't know. We're going to have to run some tests. Probably can't. Probably can't run tests, actually. If you were to try to run the tests, we would probably get sued by ASPCA. But wait a minute. Do they count? Do fish count as animals for the ASPCA or the or the Humane Society or, or or PETA? Do fish count? I think they do count. Are they? Yeah, yeah, they're animals. Are they? But they're ugly. They are ugly, and that's usually the standard, right? The standard is usually if it's an uh, if it's an ugly animal, nobody really cares about it. Cute animals, definitely. Cute animals, they get people's dander up. If it's a cute animal, well, okay, so how do you define cute animal? Usually it's an animal with eyebrows. That's, the, that's sort of the, the characteristic required, right? Eyebrows or just a brow. It doesn't have to be like a separate set of like different color eyebrows, like human eyebrows, but it has to have some sort of a brow that, can, that, that moves, you know? And this is why a lot, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm a dog lover, I'm a dog lover, and they hate the cats and stuff. And, because cats don't really have like the pronounced brow, you know? So, ooh, we could genetically modify cats to have bigger brows, and then they would be as adorable. That's a great idea, Pete. My, Thank you. My dog has, uh, has like, human eyebrows. Yeah. It's, it's the cutest thing in the world. See, that's You're what I mean. absolutely right. You would never think to kill that thing, right? Absolutely not. Right. He would kill you first. Probably. With his eyebrows. Well, no, he's probably his <laughs> teeth, because it's like a pit bull mix, right? This one is a beagle boxer mix. Just as deadly. Who is actually way Just more as deadly. deadly. Yeah. The beagles. The, the pit bull mix is a baby. Right. I, I, I'm never worried about him. Until it goes pit bull. Until, yeah. You never go full pit bull. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> no. Oh, it's like the Chris Rock, the philosopher Chris Rock said, you know, like the guy who trained the tiger and then the tiger chomped down on the guy's head and everybody's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And he's like, I could. It's a tiger. I'm like the tiger went crazy. The tiger did not go crazy. The tiger went tiger. Right. You should see you should see Chris Rock's documentary. I think it was the original one from like 20 years ago. 
All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina a readiness supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So our friend AP Dillon over at the North State Journal, nsjonline.com is the website. Highly recommend it. nsjonline.com. Uh, she's got the story from yesterday. Photos and videos received by North State Journal show dozens of what appear to be non-U.S. citizens filing onto a late-evening American Airlines flight from Phoenix to Charlotte. The sources of the images, a North Carolina citizen who wishes to remain anonymous. Told North State Journal, the group of migrants was seen at the departure gate. They had plastic bags containing belongings and a cell phone. The source also said that the group was accompanied by a person who appeared to be an interpreter and that a large number of the migrants appeared to be ill with many of them openly coughing and wheezing. That is the uh, correct pronunciation, by the way, of that word, wheezing. The interpreter was likely in the employment of one of the many nonprofits or non-governmental organizations. Those are called NGOs, non-governmental organizations, which use tax dollars and tax-exempt status to relocate illegal migrants and refugees across America. Activities by such entities could include things like buying the tickets and placing the migrants on the flight. This doesn't happen, by the way, without the acquiescence and cooperation of the federal government. I added that last part. North State Journal reached out to American Airlines and received a no comment as the official statement about the incident. North State Journal made an inquiry about flights carrying migrants into Charlotte Douglas International Airport with Charlotte City leaders, including the city manager and the mayor, Vi Lyles. A spokesperson for the city responded in an email, quote, The city is aware of this, but we cannot confirm the number of flights. We do not track this data. Why not? Why would you not track this data? You prefer to be blindsided by the additional costs? No, this is willful ignorance. It's purposefully blind, right? They don't want the data. That's why they don't track it. They don't ask for it because they don't want to know. Plausible deniability. The city has been aware that this is going on, but they have no idea to what extent as all good city governance requires, right? Obviously so. Like, no, 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 we don't want to know that we're having this huge influx of people coming into the into the city that might require a whole bunch of services, which, by the way, they do. Spoiler alert, they do. I've got that data in a minute. Charlotte-Mecklenburg Emergency Management Office, or the CMEMO, or 
CM Emo, at the direction, this is a quote, by the way, the CM Emo, at the direction of the Mecklenburg County Manager's Office, has been tasked with leading the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Migrant Task Force. The task force is made up of various nonprofits as well as local governmental agencies. So right there, that tells you there is a taxpayer cost here, right? You got nonprofits, yes, but you also have governmental agencies. So at a bare minimum, we are devoting personnel, you know, time and manpower to the task force, the, the migrant task force. The purpose of the task force, according to the city spokesperson, is to have situational awareness of what is happening in the community. Well, that's not true. That's not true. Aware, you want situational awareness, but you're not tracking any of it? Please, don't, don't whiz on my boots and tell me it's raining. They also say this is so they can help with coordination between the various organizations and agencies. The task force meetings allow emergency management staff to make recommendations to the policy group, which is made up of city and county leadership. To gain better situational awareness through the task force, CM Emo has been in constant contact with the organizations that have been assisting. But we never ask them how many. We don't want to track that. We're just helping. We're just, we're just little helpers here. How can we help? You're taking residents' tax dollars and using it to assist the importation of people who are here illegally. The spokesperson went on to identify the Camino Center, which is named after that car in like the 1980s or something with the weird back that looks like a pickup. But okay, the Camino Center, as well as the Latin American Coalition as organizations that have been assisting migrants and to contact them directly to find out the exact number of individuals that they are working with. The spokesperson added that the organizations have not requested emergency assistance from the city. From the city. Well, why is that? Well, it's because all of the aid programs that the people require come from non-municipal entities, right? There was a story out of Breitbart, Texas, that AP Dillon mentions in her piece at North State Journal that includes photos of special lines that are designated at the airports only for, quote, non-U.S. citizens without passports. See, when you go to the airport, you got to get into the rapist scan, right? You got to get the virtual strip searched. You got to take your shoes off. You have to have photo ID. You have to have a passport. You have to have all of these things, see, because you're just a pleb. You're, you're just a taxpayer. You just have to walk through the line like any other, uh, you know, member of the herd. But if you're not a U.S. citizen and you get the help of the NGOs and the federal government behind you, well, you go, right, to, you, you get the express lane. In the last month, the sheriff of Pinal County in Arizona, Mark Lamb, has claimed that border agents disclosed to him migrants are being given $5,000 visa gift cards before being released to the U.S. interior. Media outlets and fact-checking websites have disputed that the U.S. government is directly giving out such cards to illegal migrants. You note the weasel word there, right? Directly. They're not directly doing it. 
because Lamb is talking about the NGOs, which get the government contracts. See, so it's a it's a money laundering operation. Plausible deniability. See, we're not doing this thing. We're just helping somebody else do it. The government can make the claim that they aren't directly paying for it, Lamb said, because each dollar first goes from the government to a non-government institution, like a charity, and then it's used to pay for the illegals. His claims related to NGOs are also similar to what was uncovered last year by Fox News reporter Bill Malugin. One NGO that's received millions in grants is Church World Services, which has affiliates in North Carolina. Another that has received dozens of grants is Catholic Charities. Church World Services has chapters in Wilmington, Charlotte, Durham, and Greensboro. And finally, AP Dillon writes at North State Journal that the chapters in North Carolina run an NC Immigrant Solidarity Fund. It describes as, quote, a statewide grassroots effort to support undocumented and mixed status families facing financial hardship due to a recent ICE detention and deportation, emergency, or natural disaster. Eligible applicants can receive a one-time cash grant to pay their bills or to, quote, post ICE bail bonds for a family member. They're literally, they're literally working on a human trafficking operation. Oh, and by the way, the cost, California's seeing it. Maybe 15 days to, I don't know, flatten the curve out there because their hospitals are getting overrun. Story at Zero Hedge, but it's actually an Epic Times piece by Brad Jones and John Fredericks. Some hospitals in Southern California are struggling with an influx of illegal immigrants amid the border crisis, while American patients are enduring longer wait times for doctor appointments due to a nursing shortage in the state, according to two healthcare professionals. And by the way, the uh, healthcare professional shortage, the nursing shortage, is exacerbated by the federal government poaching the nurses from the healthcare clinics and such in these areas. When they are where they open up ICE detention centers, they then hire away the nurses, paying more money. Right? They hire the nurses away. And now people who don't have access to the ICE detention facilities because they're, you know, legal, they can't go in there. And so they got to go to the, the clinics that are now understaffed. A healthcare worker at a hospital in Southern California who asked not to be named for fear of losing her job told the Epic Times that, quote, the entire healthcare system is just being bombarded by a steady stream of illegal migrants, or as I call them, unauthorized immigrants. They were not, they're not authorized to be here. They are immigrants. I don't like this migrants because that term used to mean something different, you know? Migration is like if you move from North to South Carolina, you, you migrated. You didn't immigrate. You migrated because you're within the country. They're not migrants. But it, it, this constant manipulation and corrosion of the language in order to obfuscate and to cloud the argument and, and put people on the defensive— Some migrants get hurt crossing the desert or injured climbing the border wall. Others are injured in accidents, especially when too many occupants are packed into one vehicle, said the healthcare worker. Severely injured illegal migrants are often rescued by helicopter and flown to trauma centers in Southern California. They're fallen off the wall, she said, and they're always flown in. They're never put in the back of an ambulance. The typical helicopter rescue costs about $30,000 before you even factor in the cost of medication and medical staff at the hospitals. 
Who pays for that? Our healthcare system is so overwhelmed. And then add on top of that tuberculosis, COVID-19, and other diseases from all over the world. Total. So hang on a second. There was another. I saw this uh, on Twitter. Um, from American Free News Network. No government agency or media outlet wants to discuss even the possibility that COVID-19 is a bioweapon, let alone what to predict from 10 million plus unvetted migrants. Right? What? Where did all of the COVID terrified people go? All of the people that were so afraid of COVID spreading so quickly it was going to murder everybody, so we all had to stay home. But now... You, you, you have TB outbreaks, and there's, eh, there's just no, no attention. Our health care system is overwhelmed, these workers say. Total U.S. apprehensions of illegal and inadmissible aliens, that's a new term, I have not heard that one, um, in fiscal year 2023 was 3.2 million. The year prior, it was 2.7 million. If you count the known gotaways... Those are the people that Border Patrol agents record but don't catch. The total is about 8 million illegal immigrants who have entered the country in less than three years under the Biden administration. See, So maybe, again, just spitballing here, but maybe we should lock down the border. Just not long term, just look, hear me out. Lock down the border for like 15 days to flatten the curve. That's all. Just to flatten the curve, just two weeks. Two weeks to stop the spread, to flatten the curve, that's all. Patients um, often have to uh, have their uh, appointments at their doctors pushed back. Typically, VA patients usually wait months to be seen by a specialist, while illegal migrants who just crossed the border are seen the same week, according to this healthcare worker, who says, I've seen it firsthand, and we hear it from VA patients all day, every day. When Border Patrol agents bring patients to the hospital, there's also an air of secrecy that follows them. No one's allowed to talk to the media or public about why they are there or how they got there. We keep them in this bubble of protection, which is the wrong approach. We should let the public know. The government is using patient privacy as a shield to hide what they are doing. There's an anonymous doctor who also spoke uh, uh, for this report who said, Increasingly, more patients are going to urgent care clinics because they can't get in to see their primary care doctors. There's a huge shortage of primary care in Imperial County, he said. Appointment times are weeks to months out. Border cities are having to deal with the influx without having the resources. When you take from the resources that are currently available, you're depriving the community of those resources. The unintended result is that it backs up the system. Regarding diseases... Tuberculosis patients can tie up hospital beds for months, depending on the severity. You can't let them out because it's a public health issue. So they're staying in the hospital. We had a patient stay for six months for full treatment. The government paid for all of it, he said. TB in the U.S. is pretty much gone, except in some isolated border towns. But the rates in Imperial County are higher than he has seen anywhere because of the influx from illegal migration. According to the Harvard Medical School's Center for Global Health Delivery, California's Imperial County has reported an incidence of 38 TB cases per 100,000 people. 38 cases per 100,000. That is 10 times higher than the national average in America. Go across the border, 
It's 100 cases per 100,000. The doctor also treats Border Patrol agents. He said their job-related injuries have gone through the roof. He's noticed an increase in the number of agents also with mental health issues related to stress and anxiety. Um, Border Patrol agents who witnessed the aftermath of heinous crimes, including the abuse and rape of women and children at the hands of the Mexican drug cartels. Suicides among agents have also increased. In 2022, 14 agents took their own lives more than any other year since they began tracking these deaths. The Federation for American Immigration Reform, or FAIR, they did a study and they estimate the gross cost of illegal immigration is $183 billion annually, and that is up about 36% in just six years. And that cost does include the full fiscal impact. So it does include the benefits, the taxes paid. It's still a net cost $183 billion, gross cost of illegal immigration in America. Thanks a lot, Joe Biden.